This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name is David Tiltman, and today we're here to talk about net zero and what it means for marketers. Over the next 15 minutes, we'll be looking at some of the findings from the recently published Walk Guide to Net Zero Marketing. And joining me is Lena Rowland, Managing Editor of Walk.com and author of this report. Now, Lena, you're going to share three themes uh, from the guide. But before we go any further, let's just talk about what we mean when we talk about net zero marketing. Sure. Hi, David. So net zero is a target global climate scientists say the world must reach by 2050 if it is to manage global warming. To get to net zero by 2050, global carbon emissions must be halved by the end of this decade if we are to avoid a temperature rise above 1.5 degrees. That's according to the IPCC. Now, unless urgent action is taken, the planet could warm by more than two degrees Celsius by the end of this century, leading to disastrous consequences for the planet. The global marketing industry is well positioned to address the climate emergency, given their position at the intersection of several business disciplines that have a major environmental impact, such as manufacturing, packaging, distribution, sales, advertising, media and new product development. Okay, so the guide has just come out. It explains in various different ways how marketers can start to address this challenge. And what we're going to do on this podcast is cover three of the findings. So uh, what have you got first? So the first thing I want to talk about is how the industry can start reducing carbon emissions. Net zero is complicated. Getting to net zero is complicated. The first thing advertisers must do is understand and measure how much carbon emissions they and their entire value chain are emitting and get a verifiable plan in place to reduce them. Measuring this means companies must understand the different types of greenhouse gas emissions and reduce them all. Scope 1 covers the greenhouse gas emissions that a company has direct control over, such as fossil fuel use, travel and waste. So these are the easiest to reduce. Are you using renewable energy? Are you reducing travel? That kind of thing. Scope 2 is about power-related emissions. And scope three covers all the emissions associated, not just with the company itself, but those that a company is indirectly responsible for up and down the value chain. So you can think of scope three as the carbon footprint of your suppliers, as well as the emissions generated by the consumption and disposal of the products or services by your consumers. Scope three is sort of, the, the in some ways, the tricky one here, isn't it? Because it's not just about looking at what you do as a as an organization it's all the impacts your organization has up and down the value chain is that sort of what we mean here exactly scope three is usually the most complex and most critical to address so what are some of the ways that the industry is starting to look at this yeah, so the industry started to draw inspiration from the financial services sector, which measures financed emissions. So Dr. Grace Kite, economist and founder of Magic Numbers, along with the Purpose Disruptors, conducted research to measure the carbon impact of the UK advertising industry. Now, they estimate that advertising adds a whopping 28% to the carbon footprint of everyone in the UK. 
The advertised emissions metric aims to help the industry measure emissions to establish a baseline and then track their performance in reducing them. Let's hear more about this study from Dr. Grace Kite. There is an effect to all the additional products that are being sold because of the ads we've made. And then there's the emissions that those products caused when they were made, when the components were made and when those products were used. So it's things like the emissions as the metal was mined to make the chip in the smartphone. And it's all the petrol that will be used in the new car that their clients sold. And we name these emissions that come from the things that advertising helps to sell advertised emissions. And our project, which launched at COP26, set out to understand how much of these the UK advertising industry is responsible for every year. And we found that it's big. Advertising adds 28% to the annual carbon footprint of every single person in the UK. It's a really interesting study and it's a very depressingly large number that they've come up with. But but the research has been criticised, hasn't it? Could you talk a little bit more about the pushback against this, this research? Yes, that's right. I mean, the, the research has been criticised by some within the industry for assuming advertising always drives new sales rather than a stealing share from competitors. Um, or put another way, it doesn't take into account cross-advertiser offsetting. So just to be clear, what we mean here is that if advertising is driving the sale of, let's say, an Audi car, that may be a purchase of an Audi instead of a BMW. It's not a completely new sale. Uh, it's stealing share within a category. Um, that's that's what this criticism is sort of aimed at, isn't it? It's about, it's about understanding the actual impact of advertising on new sales versus versus category switching. Yeah, exactly. And it has caused a bit of a debate in the industry. So let's hear what Grace has to say in response to this. When we did this project, we were the first team in the world to attempt to research advertising emissions. We were the innovators. Now, one way it might evolve is to take account of the way that some of the additional stuff sold because of advertising is actually not additional to the category and so the economy. It's just stolen from competitors. And the idea goes that if Heinz sell one more can of beans because of advertising, this doesn't actually matter for emissions because that's one less can of beans being sold by Branson's. If both companies are producing beans in a similar way, net-net the result is no more emissions than if the advertising hadn't happened. So in that example, you might say that Heinz needn't care about their advertising emissions because Branson's are offsetting it. But the modern way of thinking in climate research is that offsets aren't enough. Petrol companies can't really plant trees to offset the fossil fuels that burn now because the trees won't be big enough for 20 years and something could go wrong between now and then. Who knows whether the new forest will get bulldozed? And the same thing maybe applies to our example. Maybe Heinz do need to take responsibility for the emissions they create with advertising because they can never know for sure whether these are emissions that otherwise would have been incurred somewhere else. You know, if you ask someone for Greenpeace, for example, they'd say that everyone has to take responsibility for the emissions that they can control, regardless of what happens elsewhere. So I think it's fair to say that we're at sort of stage one of this research. So it's a useful starting point, but we'll probably see more uh, sophistication in terms of the way we calculate the numbers uh, as we go forward. Um, so from the guide, what, what have we concluded that marketers need to consider here? Yeah, so ultimately, get a verifiable science-based net zero plan in place to reduce carbon emissions. Now, decarbonising scope three emissions is typically, as we say, the most complex and the most critical to reduce. So don't put this off. 
if you want an example from a company that's that's you know showing climate leadership, and um, we talk about this in the report, it's it's Allbirds, the eco footwear brand. Um, now, Allbirds invests in regenerative agriculture and renewable material. And interestingly, it has created a carbon calculator to measure the carbon footprint of its products. This calculator accounts for materials used, manufacturing, transport, consumer use from cradle to grave, and then uses that information to identify ways to reduce emissions. Now, crucially, Allbirds has made the calculator open source for other companies to use. And this is a key point about net zero. Solving the climate crisis requires deep collaboration. And this is something that Dentsu's New World Order talk about. They call this collaborative economics. This is the increased willingness among among businesses to work together in what is called the pre-competitive space. This is a space where the critical enablers that drive systemic change happen. So it's not only crucial to get your own house in order, but to encourage sustainable actions across your entire value chain. The last point I'd make here is that it's important that brands take a realistic approach to offsetting, as this is an area where net zero targets more often than not fall down under scrutiny. Okay, thanks, Lena. So we've looked at um, emissions, the different types of emissions and how advertisers can start to think about that. Um, What's the next theme you've brought from the report? So next, I want to talk about how the industry is responding. And the UK advertising industry have really taken the lead on this. So launched back in late 2020, AdNet Zero is an industry-wide initiative which is backed by the Advertising Association, the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising and ISBA, the Incorporated Society of British Advertisers. Now, the aim of Net Zero is to cut carbon emissions associated with advertising in order to make the industry carbon neutral by the end of this decade. It offers a five-step framework to do this. So first, as mentioned earlier, get your own house in order. So curtail emissions, particularly in relation to travel, to fossil energy use and to waste. Next is to make advertising production shoots climate friendly by, for example, reducing your travel by using local crew and sending far fewer people. Try also flying economy or better still, take the train. The third step that they advise on is to develop low carbon media plans. Also, reduce the carbon footprint of events and build sustainability criteria into industry awards. And lastly, use advertising's creativity and influence to promote sustainable choices and behaviours among consumers. Great. So that's a sort of five step plan to start to address some of the things we've been talking about. But um, one phrase you used in there was was really interesting. It's talking about decarbonising media. Now, what does that mean? What does that actually start to look like? Yeah, sure. It's really interesting. So one of the themes that emerged from our report is that advertisers will need to take a lean approach to media planning. Um, And Laura Wade, Head of Sustainability, EMEA, and Susanna Pitts, Global Head of Strategy Management at Essence, offer some really interesting advice on this. So ultimately, until carbon calculators have fully inclusive and accurate vendor data, efficient campaign management and elimination of digital waste is the bedrock for a 
a low carbon campaign. A low carbon media plan will consider things like using frequency capping wherever possible across the campaign. Um, it also means reducing high carbon formats and considering the impact of autoplay and unskippable formats, for example. It means finding ways to reduce unnecessary data loads in the media plan and identifying ways to reduce data waste. Each non-viewable impression has a carbon impact. Okay, so that's really interesting, isn't it? Because that starts to align this push for net zero with the push we're also seeing to um, reduce use of low quality media, particularly in the digital space. So the sort of arguments that we're hearing around attention in terms of using attention as a way to validate the quality of a, of a sort of media impression. Interesting how these two areas are coming together. Um, you talk about high carbon formats. Can you just talk, talk a little bit more about that um, and what that sort of means? Yeah, so in a net zero media plan, practitioners are going to have to start evaluating which channels are high carbon cost and low carbon cost. And this may um, actually provide a boost for certain uh, formats. And in his piece that he wrote for us for the guide, Rich Kirk, Chief Strategy Officer at Zenith, he notes how channels such as Out of Home might receive fresh impetus uh, if it can combine its reach building qualities with relatively low carbon impact. So there's possibly a mindset shift happening in, in terms of channel selection. An another area that uh, is a key consideration for a net zero media plan is ad duration. So when you talk about duration, you're talking about the length of ads. So we, we might see more 10 or 15 second ads on a, on a channel like TV if, if uh, advertisers are really serious about reducing the, the carbon footprint of their, of their media schedule. Is that, is that what we're seeing? Yes, that's right. I mean, let's face it, a 10 second or 15 second ad is likely to have uh, not only cost less money, but have less carbon impact. If this is the direction of travel, uh, something that advertisers will need to be aware of and to consider is is how they how they can generate uh, quick recall and drive brand recognition in in these shorter formats. Right. So probably even more emphasis on things like distinctive assets and and uh, and those sorts of very recognisable devices. Yeah. Exactly. So what's the third area you'd like to highlight from the report? I think it's worth looking at how the industry can help drive behavioural change. If we go back to the different types of greenhouse gas emissions, this pertains to scope three, how the industry can influence downstream by persuading consumers to adopt climate friendly behaviours. Now, studies show consumers are increasingly concerned about climate change. So awareness is not the issue, yet the necessary behavioural change is for the most part still elusive. Ipsos data, for instance, um, this is a big, a big study of 24,000 people in 25 markets, shows that 63% of, of respondents um, say it's important that companies do as much as they can to reduce harm to the environment. And 70% agree that they tend to buy brands that reflect their personal values. Yet at the same time, 45% say they don't care if a brand is ethically or socially responsible. I just want them to make good products. Now, we spoke to Rachel Whitaker, manager of Brands for Good at Sustainable Brands. 
they've conducted some research into some of the barriers to adopting sustainable behaviour. Here's what Rachel has to say. So in the US, um, the top barrier to living more sustainably is the cost. Um, there's definitely a strong perception, at least, that living a sustainable lifestyle is more expensive, um, which is a challenge we're facing throughout the space. Um, second, though, is that people largely just don't know where to start. Um, they feel a sense of overwhelm, like it's too much to take on. And um, the second and third top responses were it's too inconvenient and the problems are too big to be solved by any one person, really showing that sense of paralysis and um, not knowing where to go next. Um, so one thing we advise brands to do to help overcome these barriers is to make sustainable living as easy, accessible, and aspirational as possible for consumers. Right. So what we're talking about here is a sort of intention action gap. It's the gap between what consumers say they want to happen and what they're actually uh, willing or able to do. And that seems like quite a significant challenge for uh, for marketers. So what can advertisers do? What should they be thinking about? Yes, fortunately, there's lots advertisers can do to help close the gap between what people say and what they do. For instance, the authors of the Good Life Report, which was published last year, they say there's an opportunity to rebrand sustainable lifestyles by tapping into positive visions of a future that people find aspirational and are motivated to work towards. Now, this means being cautious about narratives that imply lack or trade-offs or sacrifice. And let's face it, how to be sustainable is complicated. Having to think too hard can be a barrier to behavioural change. And there's a sense of paralysis about what to do. A key action here is to ease cognitive strain. And, it, you know, it's therefore crucial to make information and messaging really easy to understand. And brands can innovate around the circular economy, make it easier for people to reuse, refill, rent and recycle. We're seeing really great examples of this. One of the one of the companies we talk about in the report is is the partnership between Futurecard and Visa, um, as well as KFC in China, who are rewarding and incentivizing people uh, around their sustainable behaviours. And as we've heard earlier from Rachel Whitaker, high prices prevent sustainable shopping from achieving mass market traction. So try to lower prices. Now, high inflation and a cost of living crisis will make this harder, but it is a barrier to growth. So it's worth considering here. And of course, there's a huge opportunity for marketers to take the lead by creating powerful campaigns and compelling messaging for climate friendly products and services such as vegan cuisine and renewable energy. Ultimately, advertisers can use their world-renowned creativity to promote climate-friendly behaviours and lifestyles, which will help close consumers' intention action gap between what they say and what they do. So there's probably no greater challenge out there. So thank you, Lena, for taking us through it. And thank you to Dr. Grace Kite and Rachel Whitaker. If you're interested in more on this topic, Walk subscribers can access the full guide on walk.com. And in fact, we've opened up the report to non-subscribers too as part of our new sustainability hub uh, in association with AdNet Zero from the Advertising Association and can lions so please do go to walk and check out this resource it features lots of different types of content that will help practitioners find ways to respond finally please do subscribe to the walk podcast on your favorite podcast platform until next time thanks for listening